Welcome to CrossFit Versus Pregnancy, the podcast for the first time or new fit mum who's looking for reassurance and guidance about training throughout their pregnancy. I'm Misha, a coach who went from competitive bodybuilder to crossfitter to expecting first time mum all in 18 months. Having searched through what feels like the entire web for do's and don'ts, I realised that the best way I could prepare for a CrossFit baby would be to speak to those with first-hand experience and share mine week by week. From coaches to athletes, new mums to veteran parents, you can follow my CrossFit pregnancy journey as well as learn from those who have successfully lived through it. Hi everyone, welcome back. It's episode 11. I, every time I record, I can't believe how far along we are, but there we are. I'm Misha, 25 weeks pregnant. If you haven't listened to any of these before, we are here to talk about training in pregnancy and hopefully reassure all you mums-to-be, whether you're expecting now or you're planning to get pregnant in the future, about how good training is for you in your pregnancy and follow my journey in my first pregnancy to appreciate or understand the changes and the adaptations that I need to make along the way. So today, as always, I feel as always, and I'm very grateful to her to be joined by Charlotte, our in-house midwife. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Are you all okay? I am. I'm feeling exceptionally pregnant. (laughs) (laughs) 25 weeks now. Over the last 10 days, I have experienced a few things that has really made me feel physically pregnant, which is, sounds like a really silly thing to say, but up until bef- up until then, I've still been training. I have not really found any problems with, you know, bending down particularly. Yes, it's getting a bit more restricted, but... You know, people joke about not being able to do shoelaces up when you get to a certain point and all of that. And I guess that's because I am not, I don't have a huge bump, um, which everybody, again, keeps telling me is I have a tiny bump, which is lovely. Lovely comments of other people that you don't ask for. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Oh, yes, they're coming thick and fast. But yeah, so basically, to give you a little rundown, uh, last last week I took a trip to across country from Hereford to Hertfordshire. I live in Hereford, my family live in Hertfordshire. And the following day, my mum and I took a trip into London where we were going to see a West End show. And we, as you always do, I think, when you go into central London, we did loads of walking. And because I walk my dog twice a day and I'm very active and... Even when I'm working, I try to take breaks and walk around regularly. It didn't even cross my mind that physically I would feel pretty tired. So we must have been walking for, you know, on and off, round shops, etc. for about four hours. And by the (laughs) time... Right. I mean, it wasn't like hiking, you know, we were in shops and um, whatever. By the time we stopped for lunch... I could not believe how much my back hurt and how much my feet hurt. <laughs> and it was really the first time that I felt the effects of being a bit heavier. Um, obviously, my pelvis is in a different position. Um, I don't think I've ever walked anywhere where my back and my feet hurt before, apart from, you know, 
if you're at the end of a night when you're wearing heels or something like that but yeah and you're otherwise like, I need to sit down now <laughs> yeah otherwise it was it was a real you know it was a real reminder that actually my body is not as capable as it was and as much as I think walking is something that is super simple my body is really changing my center of gravity is completely changed and will continue to change so after that we then had to do slower walking which I don't my mum said well you've never done this in your life so I'm normally quite a fast paced walker and I've had to keep saying to her we're gonna have to slow down a bit by the time we got to sit down at the show which was about 10 past two I was doing that typical pregnancy oh god like leaning back on the chair holding my back (laughs) felt like such a stereotype and because I'm also I'm aware that compared to other women certainly women having their subsequent pregnancies I don't have a huge bump for where I'm at in my pregnancy I'm pretty much almost I'm almost six months now which is crazy to say so I think to other people it might have looked like I was being a bit traumatic (laughs) but it felt just it was a real the real first reminder that um, my body is really changing and then on the way home on the train my mum is grey-haired although she's totally fit and totally active and she's not an old lady Lots of men were standing up on the train to let her sit down. And my mum was like, no, I'm not sitting down. She needs to sit down. And they'd kind of like, you know, it was a busy train. So they'd only see my head and they think, what? Why is this older lady (laughs) trying to get this young girl to sit down? Anyway, well, on one train, I couldn't squeeze past anyone. Um, I tried to like suck. You know what you normally do. You like think I'll squeeze past suck in stand up tall and I tried to do it and I didn't even cross my mind I'm like sucking in trying to squeeze and I was like (laughs) excuse me you're gonna have to move because I can't squeeze anymore (laughs) sucking Um, sucking in is doing nothing yeah sucking in is not working anymore and so then it was like appreciation from the guy that stood up to give my mum a seat and look confused he was like ah then he looked down and saw my bum (laughs) so um (laughs) But yeah, it was the first time as a reminder from other people that I was physically pregnant as well and people were like, offering me seats. And um, and it's just quite bizarre because, again, family, I saw family that I haven't seen for a while and they'd say, oh, don't, don't pick that up, I'll carry it for you. And my mum's the one and I'm the one reminding them she's more than capable. She's, she's definitely still stronger than you. She's definitely still capable. But there is definitely a shift when people can notice you're pregnant and feel like they need to look after you more, let you, you know, just let you relax more, not encourage you not to lift anything, those kind of things. And I still don't feel like I'm at a point where I want people to do those things because, I mean, I'm still in the gym. I'm still lifting plenty of weight. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's so for the last week or so, I physically felt different and whilst I was away I didn't train at all and it was a conscious decision when I normally go home to visit my parents I there's a there's a gym that I would attend and and I love it but I made the decision that actually I haven't had a a proper rest because I even trained when I was in Egypt for a while so haven't trained for a week and actually by the time yesterday came I think my body felt a bit stiffer just because 
hadn't really done a lot of my usual walking because I didn't have the dog to walk. Um, and it just gave me a reminder when I hit the gym for the first time in a week today, how much my body appreciates movement. And, you know, taking the heavy weights out of it, taking the um, exertion out of it, just to move and mobilize your body and get the muscles warm and all of those feelings plus obviously the feel good feel good hormones that you release the endorphins that you release when you train it just gave me a huge reminder of why i exercise and i think something that was really nice is going back to exercise didn't feel like a chore it felt like something that my body really wanted it really needed and again just as I'm coming on the podcast today gave me another reason to encourage women amongst other things I'm going to share today to really move and you know don't just walk do something that is a bit challenging is slightly strenuous gets the muscles moving gets the muscles warm gets you a little bit out of breath not excessively but a little bit because it makes you feel good it makes your body feel good to move and to 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 just ultimately that's it just to move makes your body and your mind feel so much better so for those mums out there that are a bit scared of exercise and they're feeling all the aches and pains and their back sore and their feet are blowing up think about the circulation I think about so many things but trust me having taken a week off which wasn't a bad thing to going back today it felt really really good to move my body so if that wasn't a a reason for me to get back to exercise well now I'm fully invested again so it felt good so what I wanted to ask you Charlotte today was I have my next midwife appointment later when do I have it is it today or tomorrow one of the two I think it's my 25 week checkup and I have absolutely yeah. no idea what's to come. I'm coming up to, I think I'm about four weeks away from my second trimester ending. And I'm pretty sure from yeah. here I have more frequent appointments. So can you tell us a little bit about what these appointments are for and yeah, what, what I'm going to find out from them? Yeah, so you'll have um, your appointment, which is your 25-week appointment. Has the midwife measured your stomach yet, like on the outside? No, I haven't had any measurements. So they, I believe it's after 24 weeks. So yeah, if you're 25 weeks, they'll measure the outside of your stomach. um, And that is just to check that baby's grown nicely. You'll have your own graph. So it's called a gap and grow graph. And it is based on your BMI, so your height and your weight and the expectation of what your baby should grow to in terms of size Um, and we plot it against that and just make sure that baby's growing nicely which is one of the main reasons why the frequency of appointments increases um, as you get later into pregnancy to make Mm. sure that that baby is growing nicely and if there is a sort of tail off in growth that can be indicative of the placenta maybe not working to its fullest and that kind of thing. So it's really, really important to keep an eye on baby's growth, um, which is generally why your impo- your appointments increase. Um, so yeah, from 25 weeks, you'll 
be measured midwife will chat to you and just make sure that everything's going okay answer any questions and then when you go to your 28 week appointment you will have bloods done again okay. and that's just to check your iron levels mainly and check that your iron levels haven't dropped too much and whether if they have whether you need to start taking some supplements they also don't they don't check your blood group and antibodies again but they do that blood test again so that they've got it a more recent one on file ready for when you go into labor and then yeah from then on it is mainly just measuring you having a listen to baby checking movements are all okay mm -hmm. and just keeping an eye on you especially yeah. when it's your first pregnancy as well because you tend to have a few more questions and a few yeah. more worries mm -hmm. when it's first baby yeah um, yeah definitely well yeah. I've got I've got my checking card here for my midwives and really nicely she's written all the way along the top the the appointments that I'll be having so I have your initial one which is your booking one and then you have your dating scan which is around 12 weeks then you have 16 weeks 25 weeks which is what I'm having I think it's tomorrow 28 weeks 31 <laughs> weeks 34 weeks 36 weeks 38 weeks 40 weeks so yeah it, it goes from three weeks for the next two for the next three and then up to two every two weeks after that yeah. so and hopefully you won't need a 41 and a 42 week appointment. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully. Fingers Although crossed. I'm still convinced, so I'm due at the end of January. There's just been something in my mind since the day they dated, um, you know, they gave me my due date that yeah. I think it's slightly out. I think I'm going to have a February baby. It's just knowing when yeah. I think I ovulated, those kind of things. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, kind of already fully prepared for having a late baby so <laughs> having a bit of time to wait a bit of twiddling your thumbs time yeah yeah well hopefully not too long <laughs> hopefully not no. too long so the other two questions that I had which I have no idea about number one what is happening to the baby at this point now I'm pretty confident as we get into the third trimester the baby is just putting on weight but I imagine although I don't know, at this point, there might be some more developmental things going on in the second trimester. So what's going on with the baby now? Yeah, so from between 24 and 28 weeks, there is still developmental um, things going on. The main thing that the baby is doing is now starting to gain fat. The baby is starting to gain a layer of brown fat. So brown fat is the really high sugar energy fat that babies need and it's actually why you know when you hear of stories of babies that are born and then just left just left on the side of the road and they're left there for a few days and they mm -hmm. survive mm -hmm. it's because of that brown fat layer um, that they start to develop around sort of 24 to 28 weeks which is their energy source and it's their energy source during labor and straight after birth as well which is quite interesting yeah really um, interesting so do then, we not have brown fat as adults because i know we have white fat as adults i think to some extent adults probably do have a very small amount of brown fat because mm -hmm. you can obviously survive for quite a few days without food sure which is when your body goes into using up fat and protein sources yeah um instead of just normal energy sources but yeah it's um babies have a lot higher stores of brown fat than we definitely do as mm. adults um, and also your baby's hearing is now developing properly and they can actually start getting startled by loud noises which is really interesting and they are also starting to open their eyes as well 
which, which is really we, sweet. I think. Well, all of those <laughs> things is is pretty fascinating when you think that you the baby is essentially inside you. They don't have breathing op- opportunities. You know, we're not built to be underwater or in fluid or anything like that but as a baby they can still open their eyes and blink and yeah all of they those do things. actually start breathing um oh, they mad. do start taking breaths which is why when babies are born there's so much fluid and sometimes mm. it takes a little while for a baby to cry even though mm. there's absolutely nothing wrong the baby's fine it's just they have to cry to get rid of that fluid out their lungs right. to be able to breathe clearly mm-hmm. and also you'll find after birth baby will be a bit snotty mm-hmm. and it's not because they've got a cold loads of women say the baby sneezes or like it's snotty and they're like oh my baby's got a cold already and it's like no no, your baby hasn't got a cold already. Don't <laughs> worry. It is just that fluid that's in their lungs from where they've taken a couple of breaths inside mm-hmm. um, and they just need to get rid of it. So that's that amazing. Without so, fluid. <laughs> so interesting. And just the, hearing about that is just so exciting. And I'm, and I'm still, thankfully, quite a way away from, hopefully, from having baby. Actually, since we last spoke on the podcast... I think we spoke around just as I got back off my holiday. So I was about 21 weeks. So now I'm 25 weeks, which four weeks later, pretty substantial amount of time in terms of development. I have really noticed a pattern in my baby's movements and they're much stronger now. I, for the first time a couple of weeks ago, saw the baby moving externally. So I could see it wiggling around through my T-shirt, which was weird. Has Ollie seen it? yeah 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 seen it and the baby is most active um there's there's a couple of times throughout the day that I can predict it like actually at this sort of time I've been training I've walked the dog I've had some food I normally sort of settle down to to work anytime between sort of nine and ten o'clock and that's when when I seem to sit down that seems to be when the baby is most active whether it's because I can feel it more I'm more tuned into it or when I'm moving, maybe I'm rocking it to sleep. Um, maybe you can answer that, Charlotte. Yeah, so it's it's really difficult because, like you said, sometimes it's, are you noticing it more because you've sat down? Um, there is also definitely some suggestions that when you're moving around that you are rocking the baby, which is why yeah. when babies are born, they really struggle to settle when you just put them in a cot and put them down because they're mm. so used to sleeping being walked around Mm -hmm. which is also why babies tend to wake up at night as well because you then obviously settle down but again it could be because you're now laying down and not doing anything Mm -hmm. you can now Mm -hmm. concentrate on it or it could be that they've just woken up because you're no longer rocking them to sleep that's mad isn't it it's amazing so yeah, yeah I think I'm pretty sure that because I spend a lot of my morning being active from going to exercise and walking the dog that there isn't really any movement. However, last night was probably the first time that the baby woke me up. So oh, defi- really? Yeah, definitely getting bigger, <laughs> definitely getting stronger. But yeah, another thing about the listening thing was very early on, somebody said to me that there could become a point where the baby can hear you whilst it's in the womb. And there is a special book that you can buy which has shown to increase neurological development and behaviours to read to the baby and it's actually by Dr Seuss and all of those books I can't remember the name of it but I'll put it in the um, of course I can't remember the name of it for god's sake I'll put it in the (laughs) notes for you guys so if you're interested and 
a couple of weeks ago when I read that it's a possibility that the baby could start to hear things, I read the book for the first time and it was when I just got into bed, so I normally get into bed, I don't know, it could have been anywhere between 8 and 10 o'clock, <laughs> depending on how tired <laughs> I am, um, and the baby was really quiet, not moving, and as soon as I started to read, the book was quite long, you know, it wasn't just a short children's book, it probably was about 10 to 15 minutes reading, and very complicated, if you ever know any doc- Dr. Seuss, there can be quite tongue tongue twisters <laughs> in there, yeah, but the baby just, it was like it was dancing and really responding to the words. Now, again, Aww. coincidental, I don't know, but it felt like I was really connecting with the baby, which was lovely. So that's to any, sweet. Yeah. So to any mums out there, you know, especially if you live with your partner and they're part of the journey, get something to read to your baby. There's loads of books. That are, you, if you just look on Amazon, there's loads of books you can buy to read to your baby specifically. I'll put the link to the one that I was encouraged to get. And come back to me and let me know if you feel any movement when you're reading to your baby. Because I think, for me, it was a really lovely moment to feel like the baby could hear me. Um, So, yeah, I I think it was... Yeah, I'm not even going to try and remember the name of the book. But (laughs) I'm yet to encourage Ollie to read it to baby. But... um, But he did feel the baby moving a lot that night, which was lovely. So... But yeah, otherwise, I think taking the week off this week was beneficial for my body, beneficial for my mind, going back into training today, certainly. And last week, before I went away to to visit my parents on the Sunday, I had a first appointment with a women's health physio. Now, this was something that I mentioned in my solo podcast last week that I was planning to do. For women out there that have an interest in understanding why I went such an early point in my pregnancy. Well, it was a personal choice. It's not something that is necessary. For my sake, I wanted to make sure that I was doing all the right things in terms of I wasn't stepping over any, uh, I wasn't stepping over any boundaries in terms of my training, knowing that I'm still really capable, but also you know, I feel like I'm doing the right things. So I wanted to make sure that my core was still in a good place. Um, I wasn't creating any too much tension. I ha- that I wanted to check that I had good control over my pelvic floor and to get some direction from that. I wanted some direction on breathing whilst I was training as well. And one of the main reasons that I went was when I went to Egypt a few weeks back, the first, it was the first time that I noticed my posture changing when I saw a picture of myself standing. And because I grew up dancing, I pride myself on always having very good posture. People often comment on my posture. It's something that I've never had to work on. So to see a change in my posture from my boobs growing, from my centre of gravity changing, and still sitting at a desk a lot of the time, I wanted to ask if there were things that I could do now to prevent it from getting any worse. So I had an appointment um, with a physio called Layla. She was brilliant. She listened to everything I wanted to understand, really took on board um, the interests that I had, but also was very understanding of my own knowledge. So she she didn't patronise me or anything, which I felt really important in those situations when somebody is already very informed 
we went through a few breathing exercises we went through a few pelvic floor um training exercises as well and she gave me a couple of things to do for my posture when I'm sat down so it was really informative and although it wasn't necessary and there was no problems which I was pretty much aware of like I don't have any problems at the moment I have full control of my pelvic floor at the moment my core is in a good place for me it was more of a reassurance appointment and women I know have been to see women's health physios later on in their pregnancy around ab separation and then post-pregnancy post-birth again just to encourage or to understand a little bit more specific rehab for that core for the pelvic floor for the for your abdominals so I'm really glad that I went and from the appointment we agreed that she's going to come on the podcast talk about my experience and also talk about typical pregnancy problems that women experience across throughout the their whole pregnancy so unspecific to me as well talking about training talking about things that we can do at this point and throughout the rest of our second and third trimesters to make improvements so that was hugely beneficial and I know Charlotte when we last spoke we spoke about diastasis diastasis recti if I can say it and what the NHS recommend or discuss with their with their patients with their pregnant ladies and you said it was was nothing right and what really interested me was Layla was a NHS physiotherapist and the reason she well she'll tell you more but one of the main reasons that she ended up going solo and going private was she felt similar to your experience the restrictions and the boundaries one because of time restriction but also two there wasn't an encouragement of treating women individually as much yes of course like duty of care wise you're not comparing one lady to another and their needs but when it came to general advice about things like this there wasn't anything specific to the individual so in relation, I know you're not a physio, I know you were a midwife, but apart from diastasis recti, there we go, or recti, which the Americans like to say, which I find very amusing, is there anything else physiologically that as a midwife you are encouraged to or instructed to advise about, whether it be at this point or throughout the rest of my pregnancy? Um, I think the main thing that we sort of had to um explain and encourage women about is pelvic floor exercises and the importance of pelvic floor exercises and doing them throughout both pregnancy and postnatally rather than um just waiting until after you've given birth and that it's really really important to do them during pregnancy because that's when the sort of damage to your pelvic floor happens Mm -hmm. yes birth does make it worse but the pregnancy itself does also cause damage to the pelvic floor just because of how heavy and how long the baby is sitting on your pelvic floor for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But and other than that... Something no. that <laughs> something that Layla showed me actually talking about the pelvic floor, um, we'll come back to your no expression at the end in a moment, <laughs> um, but something Layla actually showed me was um, a physical, um, physiological like model of the pelvic floor which I found really helpful 
and so interesting yeah incredibly interesting because I think as women that are aware of their pelvic floor you know whether it be because you've had children you're pregnant or that you you just know the importance of it or perhaps you've peed yourself a little bit when you're doing some skipping and you think oh I need to get better at um, controlling that and strong getting a stronger pelvic floor I was unaware of actually how much muscle there was there and how much it covered from you know from right up at the pelvic bone at the front right through to essentially your I don't know what to call it your ass crack I'm gonna say spine I guess what were you gonna say I said ass crack um which is definitely (laughs) not your coccyx coccyx I like my one better. No, you're right. Cock six. Um, I'm going to be more professional. Either your cock six or your um, sacroiliac joint. There we go, which is right in the middle of your hips. Um, yeah. But anyway, moving on. It was it was really interesting. And, and I would, again, not... If, if, a, if a women's health physio isn't a possibility for you because it is, at this stage, a private thing that you have to get, I would still encourage you to look up images of your pelvic floor because something that we we all can do I'm pretty sure is we know how to tense those muscles and and relax those muscles and we can do that we spoke about that before and we were both doing it and we're probably doing it now but actually being aware of when they where they are allows you to connect to them more kind of like when we're training right that mind to muscle connection so I would really encourage everybody to go and have a look because it's very interesting actually how much muscle there is there. Um, So yes, so going back to your comment of no, that's it. Do you think that there should be anything else that is discussed? Obviously, we've already spoken about, let me say it again, diastasis recti. Woohoo, said it right this time. (laughs) But yeah, do you think that there is, apart from the abdominal separation and the pelvic floor, is there anything that you think that perhaps the NHS should be informing women about in their pregnancies at this point in your opinion i think those two are the main ones because those two are the ones which have the biggest knock-on effect Mm -hmm. later in life and in life in general i think like you said posture is a really really important one because actually if you think about it you're pregnant for almost a year of your life Mm -hmm. and if you um i don't know if you hurt yourself which then made your posture bad so say you hurt your hip and your posture was then bad for a year it would take a very long time after that year to recorrect your posture right and you'd then have problems like following on from that with other joints and your back so actually I think the importance of posture particularly because like you said your center of gravity changes you start leaning forwards more which then puts your back out a bit more or you overcompensate and lean back too much yeah um i think those are definitely things that you probably aren't aware of that you're doing because it's happening naturally without you realizing especially as you're getting bigger Mm -hmm. you get bigger gradually you don't just go from being non-pregnant to six eight months pregnant with a large weight on your stomach it Mm -hmm. is a gradual process which is why i think you said that you didn't notice your posture change until you saw that photo. Yes. Um, so actually, I'd say posture is probably quite a big one, but I think yeah. posture for everyone, not just yeah. not just people that are pregnant, absolutely everyone yeah, in this I day agree. and age particularly, because we sit on computers and stuff, needs mm. correcting. And um, I, I agree yeah, so much. Posture. I think 
actually from my point of view as a coach as, as a fitness professional posture can be a huge inhibitor of progress when it comes to aesthetic when it comes to performance oh, really? huge absolutely I didn't know that. that's really interesting couple of reasons one it means that there is a severe imbalance people aren't connecting to the muscles that um, essentially create good posture whether it be core whether it be um, certainly around your shoulder blades and your upper back um, and again mostly you're absolutely right it's related to the current day the way in which we mostly we we're, we live in a culture that is a sitting culture most of the time but also not just our upper body which people kind of um think that that's going to be the main cause and our core when we sit a lot we um don't engage or fire a lot of our lower body muscles correctly which can also subsequently cause poor posture so specifically um if you if anyone is sat down now or perhaps you're walking the majority of people will um use utilize their their quads so the front of their leg more than the back um, and that's again just from the hamstrings and the glutes being in a relaxed position when we sit down so the glutes don't tend to fire as much so our quads then become dominant so we don't act we have an imbalance in our lower body as well and all of these things will link to um development of bad posture so from my perspective it is something that needs to be addressed and it's something that I can we can address you know with resistance training with stretching with mobile mobility but it's a slow process so I completely agree with that in pregnancy even more so because that the changes happen in a relatively short space of time but from school let's say to someone being 30 and they they have a job in that time where they are sat predominantly most of the time that that is going to of course it's going to severely inhibit their posture so i couldn't agree more and i think midwives out there if you have an interest then maybe it's something that you can encourage your women to start considering away from any referrals to physiotherapists that can happen if anything goes wrong essentially or post birth um the other thing that i was going to ask about was certainly one person has messaged me about having SPD. So a couple of ways of wording it, it could be symphysis pubis dysfunction, which is SPD or pelvic girdle pain, which is related to pregnancy. Is that something that if a woman in your experience was to talk of pelvic pain, um, you know, not being able to comfortably sit, sit and stand, walk, etc., that what's the process of that? Is that something you help with? Do you refer... Um, generally it would be a referral to a physio mm -hmm. um, the only thing is that obviously usually takes time yeah. so by the time the person has got the physio referral they've either had the baby and then the SPD or PGP goes away or it's then it's progressed so much that they've got to the point where they've gone you know what I can't cope with this pain anymore mm -hmm. and they have then forked out and gone privately to get it sorted quicker yeah um pelvic girdle pain or spd i think they're trying i think they're trying to move away from spd and i'm now trying to call it pelvic girdle pain so mm -hmm. pgp um it's essentially the same thing um yeah. the main cause of it is that ligament that actually holds the pelvis together and it's to do with the relaxing hormone mm -hmm. that 
it relaxes it too much and then it causes the pelvis to separate too much. Yeah. As far as I'm aware, I'd need to look into it a little bit more, but as far as I'm aware, there's nothing specific you can do to prevent it or stop it from happening. Yeah. But if it does happen, there are things you can do to prevent it from getting worse. Mm -hmm. I think there probably is some natural disposition for some women to develop it more so than others. Yeah. But yeah it's it's a really difficult one and it can cause women some incredibly horrible pain yeah to the point where they can't even walk or yeah. they're using crutches because mm -hmm. they can't walk because of the pain yeah. and as soon as you've had the baby that pain then goes away because everything settles back settles yeah. down again and everything tightens up as it should do mm -hmm. but i know that it is incredibly painful especially when you can't really take painkillers yeah to settle that pain either yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and and it, and again, talking of pregnancies and having subsequent pregnancies, the lady that contacted me saying that she was really frustrated because she was on her third pregnancy, pregnancies one and two, she was super active, she trained. This one, the um, PGP was so painful that she's not been able to do anything. And so you can't yeah. predict it. I think, yeah, there probably is some kind of genetic um repetitiveness in it or you know expectation that if if someone in your family's had it maybe it's a question to speak to your family about certainly your mum or you know other women in your close family if they've suffered from it maybe you can be a bit more um informed about it in that case yeah. to prepare yourself yeah definitely but at the same time you know these things we can't predict it you could have like like this uh listener you know two wonderful pregnancies and then one that just hits you like a ton of bricks so um, but I, I wasn't expecting midwives to treat, um, but more so just, again, advice. You can buy, um, I think they're called pregnancy belts. Yes. And this lady's probably already looked into it and got one because she sounds like she's in a lot of pain. Um, but yeah, you they sort of sit underneath your bump and alleviate some pressure on your pelvis. Mm -hmm. And I believe that they do work and they do help to some extent I know that they're not a cure but they definitely do help mm -hmm. but the only thing with those is you have to have them on right to be able to have it help properly and you yeah. need someone like a physio especially a women's health physio to be able to show you how to put it on properly to right. actually make the most of it mm -hmm. well I've actually invested in a some training tops which have bump support so similarly oh, cool. to a bump a belt or a pregnancy belt which I have looked at because I'm not really far enough along now, but actually something having not worn, you know, a vest top like that for over a week, putting it on this morning felt really good. And it reminded me actually how much support it gives me. Um, so, yeah, girls, again, if you're finding that heaviness at the front when you're training, I would hugely advise looking up bump support training um, tops that has been a game changer for me without me even realising. Again, another thing that I realised today is actually how much support that gives me. And it's and it's to kind of keep everything tidy and, and um, up pulled up from the bottom, from your pelvis. But also it just keeps everything nice and tight so you don't feel like, you know, if you are still at a point where you feel like you're running, for example, it just gives you a little bit more support. So something I would definitely recommend um, looking into. And if anyone wants some information on that, just drop me a message mm. and, and I'll share the information. Uh, but yeah, definitely worth investing. Again, it's not something that I realised how much 
it supported me when I was training because naturally, especially for you ladies out there that do any lifting, you can't wear a weight belt anymore. Of course you can't because it's not going to sit in the right place. You can't wrap <laughs> no. that around your lower, around your bump. But this, it's kind of built to do that for you. So definitely a recommendation of mine. One other thing that I wanted to um, bring up, because again, I don't think that we have had the opportunity to talk about it too much. If we have, again, I'm going to blame the baby brain because I can't remember. <laughs> um, uh, just before I went on holiday, I started to have regular headaches and when I got back they got worse and worse to the point where I was marginally convinced that I was having migraines I went to see I spoke to a midwife at the, at the time I was still um, being seen by the hospital I then went and spoke to a pharmacist hoping that they might just be able to give me something over the counter instead of paracetamol which is obviously safe in pregnancy uh, the pharmacist said no I then spoke to my doctor on the phone had a phone consultation he said it was safe for me to take codeine I would start at an over-the-counter dose and if it wasn't enough I could go up they could uh, prescribe me a higher dose but no painkiller was having any effect so weeks went by I have had migraines a few times in my life related to periods which I know they can be heavily related to hormonal changes mostly you know for women certainly and it got to the point where I was every day I could predict what time it was arriving sometime between two and three o'clock and if anyone's had migraines before you can almost feel it coming there is this build-up of um I can't really explain it you can just feel it feel it building and no painkiller was touching it and it was getting to the point where on a daily basis I was having to be super productive and not work after two o'clock because the pain was so bad that and light would hurt my eyes and then the pain was so bad that it made me feel sick so it was really debilitating finally I did see a doctor and we spoke in detail about are there any triggers you know um, and all of these things of course because I'm um, a geek I had already kind <laughs> of thought about if there could be any potential triggers I drink loads of water I'm active um, I wear blue light glasses when I'm sat at my computer I've even done an experiment of not being on technology at all over a two-day period like I tried to not look at my phone um, so that I could see if that was having an impact and it made no difference whatsoever so there were no lifestyle um, anything lifestyle wise that I was doing that was having an impact so the the doctor concluded that it would be hormonal and perhaps a build-up of hormones throughout the day and agreed that because it was clearly affecting my life so much that we, he would give me a migraine medication medication um although there wasn't a huge amount of study done on the effects on the women or babies that women that take migraine medication there wasn't any um real side effects or noted effects um from women taking it i.e there wasn't any um, any negative things happening to pre to the baby that had been documented so he said you know well, as much as there is not loads of research around this i think it's kind of up to you to know how much this is affecting your life anyway to cut my long story short I took the medication. He, he instructed me that I wouldn't need to take it every day. It should cut the cycle and then hopefully I wouldn't need to take it again. Strangely enough, for the last three weeks, 
is it three weeks or four weeks now i've had to take it every thursday without fail um <laughs> so bizarre um uh, on the wednesday as the week goes on my head starts to feel a little bit more like i'm getting headaches daily but manageable as um the wednesday comes around i start to feel a little bit more disorientated but again nothing debilitating but then the thursday comes and it just hits me again the attack the migraine just hits me and it takes about between one and two hours for the medication to work you have to take it at the beginning of the attack um and i wanted to mention this today um because I was interested to hear if any other women had experienced similar symptoms. I was told when I first spoke to my midwife about having headaches without it being aware that it was migraines, that they were common and I just needed to take paracetamol. And, and that was fine at first before it became a daily problem. Um, have you ever heard of that before, Charlotte? If you suffer from migraines, like previously, pregnancy can either make them go away completely or can make them worse than they've been before and that is due to the hormonal changes yeah um my when you were talking about it my first thought was food because there's a lot like you probably went through the doctor with it a lot of like food triggers mm-hmm. um whether you've changed anything in your diet or something that you normally eat so say you can normally eat chocolate um because that is one a very common trigger um and you normally eat chocolate and you're normally fine potentially pregnancy could make that worse Mm -hmm. and if it wasn't a trigger before it could be a trigger now but yeah um, from your point of view Charlotte I wanted to know but also from the listeners has anyone experienced this I've spoken to quite a few women who experienced headaches they said they didn't last very long but it did hit them in the second trimester which I found really interesting because a lot of the the documented advice speaks of headaches in the first trimester relating to you know the surge of hormones that we have Um, but not so much in the second trimester. So yeah, guys, get in touch. Let me know if you're having any unusual symptoms that stray from the the standards of what we expect. Um, But yeah, just as well from my point of view, it hasn't hasn't stopped me training. That was a choice I made from going to visit my family. Um, When the headaches were frequent, I would quite commonly wake up with a headache but training would help diminish that and then the migraine would start later on in the day. So again, I, and that was another reason that we we spoke about it being more likely to be hormonal because when I train, the endorphins sort of outweigh those other hormone um, hormonal changes or symptoms. So um, yeah, really interesting, but not fun. So I hope none of no one else out there that's listening has the same experience because it was pretty horrible to be honest so the final thing which i wanted to touch on today um was in relation to the whoop data that i mentioned a couple of episodes back so firstly to to mention again i'm not sponsored by whoop it was just um i listened to the whoop podcast which has a heavy influence on crossfit and um that kind of high intensity training a whoop band is essentially an activity band that you put on your wrist it isn't a watch but it feeds back to data on um, on your phone and you can look up data relating to anything from your resting heart rate, your recovery rate, um, your training data. So looking at peaks and troughs in your, in your heart rate, it's mostly around heart rate. Also talks about oxygen um, in the blood, that kind of thing. 
and I found it incredibly interesting um, listening to one of their podcasts in relation to a pregnancy study that they did of their their own data of their own users showing the benefits of exercise and trends in heart rate variability and resting heart rate so two things that they track um not, without being pregnant or not and something that i found really interesting just to give you a really brief summary again i will put the link to their blog version of the podcast which they do i find really helpful actually they do a podcast and then they launch a blog uh, with the data attached to it which is fantastic because then you can see the graphs and the, the you know the, anything related to the data the heart rate variability um naturally decreases in pregnancy which is what you would expect so the ability to be able to recover fast the ability to be able to manage your body when your heart rate is at an extreme um, and the opposite of that your average resting heart rate actually increases that's down to the blood volume increasing um, you know naturally your heart having to work harder to pump blood to the placenta all of those things so those two things I would understandably you know I would just say cool yeah get that but what I found really really interesting about this data and they had never no one had ever seen this before and or studied it in this way is that when you get to about seven weeks before birth so around 33 weeks pregnant both of those things start to reverse so your resting heart rate becomes lower and your heart rate variability increases. So it's like your body is preparing your body for labor and putting it in a better position and a more capable position for birth. And I found that like amazing. Like we haven't told our bodies, we haven't trained our bodies to do that. Yes, okay, pregnancy and labor is just like absolutely mind blowing anyway, but to see it in the sense of your heart rate variability or resting heart rate improve, um, in terms of what we need it to do in order to prepare ourselves for labour and after labour. I just found that amazing. Isn't that amazing, Charlotte? Yeah, I was just looking at the graphs on the um, the website that you sent me and it is really, really interesting. It's as, it's as if your body goes, right, I need to get fitter now because mm -hmm. it's gonna be it's gonna be a long slog, this labour and the endurance that I'm gonna need. And so your body's like, yep, we will get ready for this. Yeah. That's really, really interesting. Yeah, yeah. And, and some do, have they found any form of link as to why it happens or is that not something that they tend to look into? Um, I think that this is just talking about the data. So I'm sure there'll be subsequent studies to look into the whys. Um, but yeah, there definitely would... would be if they found that. Right, just incredible. Um, but something that yeah. one of the lead researchers said, I just wanted to give you a little quote from, from this um, article. The guidelines for pregnant women around exercise have changed, but not in a wide scale or well-known way, which what this is why we're here, obviously, Charlotte, to talk about this, to, to give people this information that isn't fed through to the government and, you know, health, um, health practitioners and things like that. Contrary to past recommendations, this study found that any type of activity during pregnancy is beneficial. This isn't necessarily driven by intensity, but duration. So that was something like right at the bottom of the article that I found a really interesting takeaway. Um, there is going to be differences for every woman according to, you know, genetic factors, um, physiological changes like, you know, 
SG, uh, sorry, PGP, like we spoke about, um, and any other things that as a person, personally, you are experiencing, which is going to change what you can and can't do. However, the types of exercise that we are being encouraged to do is actually say, we're saying now, let's broaden that and say anything is good, which I thought was a lovely takeaway and something nice to finish with. So ladies, if there is something that you're doing and you're really not sure whether you are harming your baby, I hate that, but you know, let's let's be real about saying that. Um, people still think that that is, that I still get questioned. I can't believe you're still training and you're pregnant. No, are you sure? And not to, put, to, to say any names, um, it was a man. Um, I, I want to leave you with this, Charlotte, because I think you'll laugh. Um, <laughs> an older gentleman that trains at the same gym as Ollie and I actually said to Ollie, Misha shouldn't continue to lift because I think he was exaggerating. And again, I'm not putting any words in anyone's mouth, just knowing him. Um, and I'm so sorry if, if somebody has experienced this, please tell me off. But he said that he knows a woman who was training and she had a miscarriage there and then and it was because she was training. Um, and that just seems so misinformed to me because there must have been yeah. other things. It's very, there is no evidence to show that exercise causes miscarriages. There is nothing. So no. that sounded a bit misinformed to me. But um, Ollie told him... Also a little bit inappropriate to say to your when your partner's having a baby right like um, i just don't go completely um and, but it doesn't if you know the man it, it wouldn't surprise you of his comment yeah. because he's pretty he, he he thinks he knows everything let's just leave it like that um unfortunately <laughs> ollie um said to him please don't say anything to her she is well informed she knows what she's doing and she has a lot of experience um, and that shut him up. So, um, yeah, Ollie Good. said all the right things. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, from that perspective, it is still so uninformed in the general population, something that I spoke about last week heavily on, on my solo podcast. Um, but, yeah, I just thought that if you guys want to check out the um, WHOOP data, I'll put that link in the episode notes. But I just found it to be really reassuring and actually so interesting about... Our, how our bodies are just absolutely amazing um but yeah keep training ladies keep doing it keep pushing yourselves as much as you feel comfortable don't feel restricted by what the nhs guidelines are by perhaps basic guidelines um keep doing what you feel feels good for you um and that's what i'm going to keep doing for as long as i can maybe not be able to try my shoelaces up for too much longer though that is one thing that is getting pretty tricky <laughs> <laughs> um right well i'm gonna round things up now um i feel like we've we've managed to kind of talk about everything i wanted to today which really makes me Good. happy um so next time we speak charlotte i think it will probably be when I'm even bigger and heavier and perhaps not quite so chirpy. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but thank you so much for joining me and again, teaching me things that um, I was hoping you would. So really informative. Thanks again. And I hope, you, I hope you take care of yourself and I will speak to you really soon. Speak to you soon. And for you guys that are listening, as always, I love, love to hear from you. Last week I shared some of the listeners' um, correspondence, so please continue to get in touch. 
ask questions, share your experiences, um, past, present, future, whatever, whatever you want to share. You can get in touch with me, my email at info at mishapt.com. All the information is in the episode notes. All the socials as well. You can follow me, you can follow um, the podcast and get in touch by any means that you would like. But for now, thanks for listening. I will be back really, really soon with the next episode. Take care, guys. Bye. Bye.